What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the Dub Jelson Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, fellow diabetic, Gary Forbes. Gary, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Glad we finally got to do this. We had a we had some scheduling issues. Yeah, right, right. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so, I mean, we were kind of talking before this about this some diabetic stuff, but, um, I mean, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, us as type 1 diabetics, we're more at risk. So how have you kind of been handling that whole situation? And have you been more more cautious than, say, maybe um, some of your family and friends? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done, like, just the right things to, you know, just not only just to prevent anything from happening to my family and just myself. Like you said, uh, you know, we're at risk just because, you know, we have these pre-existing condition. But, you know, my, I'm pretty much, like, mentally strong and, you know, I exercise every day. So, you know, I feel I'm taking care of myself, you know, mentally and physically. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I feel I don't, you know, really have a problem. But definitely taking precautions to, you know, just, you know, help my, my family and the community and, you know, just don't want to spread anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've kind of been the same way. Like, I know for, I know you, like, if you caught it, you'd probably be fine. If I caught it, I'd probably be fine. Uh, just because we're, like, in shape, we're we're fairly young. But, I mean, you never know with this, um, with this disease or, or virus or whatever. Um, I mean, it, get, it can affect people differently. So I've kind of been taking more steps. Like, my friends always make fun of me. I'm always, like, we, we went to out, we went out to eat the other day with my friends. And I was wearing a mask, walking to the table. They're like, "Duh, why are you wearing a mask? That's so dumb." And I was <laughs> like, "Hey, I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do." Right, you know yeah. what I mean? But uh, how have your how have your numbers been like throughout all this? My numbers actually been like good during these, uh, you know, past couple months with the COVID. Uh, you know, I'm pre- I pretty much eat healthy. I'm a you know vegetarian. I maybe eat chicken maybe like once every two weeks or something or fish. More so a pescatarian, vegetarian, um, but my numbers usually are, you know, no higher than like 180 or something like that. Um, obviously, you know, you have some days where, you know, your sugars, you know, just randomly go up without even knowing why. You know, um, you know diabetic, diabetes affects, you know, everyone differently. You know, some days I will eat the proper things and, you know, my blood sugar is high for some reason, you know, just because you know, the hormones and energy and stuff that, um, you know, after I work out, usually after I work out, my blood sugar is usually higher than, you know, what I, you know, what I started with. I, sometimes I have no idea. It's crazy, <laughs> but I, 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 I'm trying to figure it out, but I keep like a, a log of, of my numbers. I'm, I'm not into the, to the CGM machine and Dexcom stuff. I'm pretty much old school. Still, uh, still test myself and, you know, give myself the injections. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I recommend it for anyone. I th- It's helped me so much. I mean, because you can just, it's on your phone. You can just look at it real quick. Say you're going, you're driving, you don't want to be low. And say, hey, oh, I'm 150, I'll, I'll be fine. Right. Um, stuff like that. And then, I mean, you just, you change it like once every 10 days. So it's not like the pump where you have to change it every three days. It's kind of a hassle. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you can That's take breaks from it as well. What are you saying? But yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to look uh, look into this CGM monitor just because you know just the hassle of always having to you know prick your finger you know three four five times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm not too sure about the pump yet just because you know just the moving around it's kind of like a pager on your. Uh, but I know I know it's a, a definitely a beneficial uh, asset for for diabetics. Mm-hmm. 
I had, um, I you probably don't know who it is. His name's Jordan Williams. He's a diabetic MMA fighter. And he said that he didn't want the pump just because of like what he does um, right. in terms of fighting and stuff like that. But I mean, I think the pump, the pump helps a lot too. Right. It's just, I mean, it is kind of scary moving from like just injections to the pump or to the, to the CGM because it's different. Um, but I think at some point they're all going to be connected. So you'll have your meter, your pump, and your continuous glucose monitor all yeah. in one thing. So, I mean, and then for me, the pump, like I have it on my thigh right now, and I really don't even notice it, but I've I've had it for 10 years, so. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you're, you're kind of used to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so has it, has this pandemic and us being more at risk, has it kind of impacted you mentally at all? Uh, no, man, I've, I feel I've been uh, pretty good. Like I'm, I'm just like strong mentally just because of all the stuff that I've overcome and all the, uh, you know, the uphill battles that I face. So, you know, I took this time just to like, you know, work on stuff. I have, you know, some good, uh, great entrepreneur ideas that's, that will be coming up at the end of this year. I'm still in great shape, um, you know, figuring out if I, if I'm going to take a deal overseas just with everything that's going on with like staying home or anything like that but um no this really hasn't uh, really affected me I, kn I know that you know society is affected but you know me personally i took this time to you know just you know hone in on on things i want to accomplish you know for the rest of my life and you know i've actually gotten you know my my glucose levels down and you know i, I feel better as a diabetic and the things that i want to move forward mm -hmm. i think that's a big thing at the beginning of this pandemic i was like hey, I need to uh, start working on myself, you know what I mean? And right. I feel like I've done the same thing. Um, like, I started doing the podcast more frequently. Like, before this pandemic, I did it, like, once a month, maybe. And now I'm getting on dope guests like you and, <laughs> and, and kind of growing that. But I think a lot of people, they were going to try to um, improve themselves, and then they kind of fell off the wagon. Right. But it's nice to see that, that you're still working towards that goal. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, so I wanted to talk about when when you were diagnosed, because me personally, I was diagnosed when I was three years old. So I've really known nothing except being a diabetic. But you were diagnosed at 20. Yeah. And I have a couple of friends that were diagnosed in their late teens um, and in their 20s. So I was wondering how that kind of impacted you in terms of living 20 years of your life. Yeah, it was a uh, it was it was clear. It was really like a. a you know, like an eye-opening and a, a shocking life experience for me. I was uh, 19 at the time. I was at the University of Virginia. And, I mean, I grew up watching. My father's a diabetic. Uh, I never met my grandfather, but he passed away from uh, diabetes. And, you know, I always watched my father, you know, and with injections and testing his blood sugar. But, you know, I was kind of ignorant to it, you know, just not knowing, you know, what diabetes was or you know, how it affected you. And, you know, when I got it, I almost thought, you know, my basketball career, you know, would be over. Like, you know, no one's going to want, you know, someone, you know, who's a diabetic or, you know, I was a freshman at the time at University of Virginia. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know if anybody else, you know, playing college basketball had diabetes, but, you know, that, and I, and what's crazy is I have like a fear, phobia of needles. So I remember the first day I had to take insulin injections i remember the doctor was trying to uh you know teach me how to do it with uh saline water and, and i was just like no man i you know is it, i was asking you know is this any other type of way can i take some pills or something like that 
And I remember the first day I didn't go to class my first day. I just sat there like crying. I was like, man, I don't want to take this needle. You know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I got used to it, you know, as the as the years went on. But um, that that first that first you know month or first week of having you know that diagnosis was really tough for me just because you know I didn't know what you know what my future would hold. But it definitely helped me. You know, I, I'm I'm actually I always tell my parents that I'm not upset to, uh, that I have diabetes because it's you know I have a platform to you know raise awareness and help other people who have you know who are dealing with this illness and you know who you know who don't you know, have anyone else to talk to. Um, I felt one of my mistakes was, you know, not being as open with it during my college career, just because, you know, people were ignorant to, you know, diabetes and what, you know, diabetics can still, you know, play in the NBA or, you know, be a, you know, MMA fighter and things like that. So it was, you know, a, a difficult time just because the society and community didn't know too much about diabetes and how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about was people just not knowing a whole lot about diabetes. Um, like some of my friends, like I'm in a fraternity at Purdue and some of those guys still don't know that I'm diabetic and cause I hide it pretty well. Right. Um, but like I'll be eating something and someone's like one of my friend's parents would be like, Oh, you're not supposed to be eating that you're diabetic or something like that. So like when you were, when you were first diagnosed, were like your teammates or your coaches or your friends at at Virginia were they kind of like what the heck's going on like what were what were their thoughts and what did they kind of say to you so, so I got uh what was it diabetes well, I was diagnosed uh 2004 so that's when like people were still doing like the syringes and stuff like that so it was still weird like you know drawing the syringes and you know looking like you know I'm taking like drugs or something like yeah. that <laughs> in the middle i mean i never you know took uh insulin during games or anything like that it was always you know before i checked my blood sugar and it was still like weird to them they would you know everyone you know would ask like you know what are you doing why is your you know finger bleeding and stuff like that why are you sticking you know but like you said i was very uh good at hiding it i would always like go to the bathroom you know real quick and you know do it you know away from you know away from people's uh you know eyes and stuff like that but as the as the years went on, when I transferred to UMass, you know, my coaches and my teammates were were amazing with it. You know, they, I had a, a group of good friends that, you know, always watched out for me and always, like, you know, made sure I was, you know, my blood sugar was either, you know, great or, you know, at the good level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's really important for diabetics to have those people that know know what's going on um, and can like and can see the signs if you're going low or going higher or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so in terms of like your diet and just how you live day to day, how did that change from like before you were diagnosed and then to after that? I was like a terrible eater like growing up. <laughs> my, my parents like cook, you know, great home cooked meals, but you know, just playing basketball and then, you know, being on the road in high school, playing high school games or college, you know, just eating like fast food or, you know, just eating like the college area food and not necessarily eating, making the, the, the proper healthiest choices for, you know, for someone who has a family history of diabetes. But um, like, uh, I believe my first, I, I changed my diet, um, maybe six years into having diabetes, I was still eating like chicken and fish and, 
my A1C numbers were pretty good. They were a little bit over seven, but, you know, I still wanted to, you know, to, to make a change. And I, you know, watched a whole bunch of Netflix documentaries on, you know, different types of, you know, diets and stuff like that. And I made the choice to go like half pescatarian, half vegan and, and things like that. And when I had a couple of, uh, you know, uh, mishaps, I, you know, I slipped into a, a diabetic coma uh, one time and, you know, I had, uh, um, you know, a couple of seizures, but, I still felt good making that change. It was just maybe I, you know, I didn't do it, you know, in accordance to, you know, my body and, you know, diabetes, as you know, affects everyone differently, right? You know, we can wake up and eat the same thing and have totally different, you know, blood sugar levels. But, you know, I'm really happy with my choice of, you know, with change diet. You know, I'm not, you know, a big sugar, uh, you know, sugar guy anymore. I used to be, I used to be uh, growing up in high school, always eating candies and sugars. Um, and I felt like that probably, you know, uh, accelerated, you know, my rate into, you know, having diabetes in the early age. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's definitely weird how it's uh, kind of hereditary or, or genetic, um, how people get it. Like my great grandfather had it. And then it skipped two generations and I got it. So, I mean, hopefully my kid doesn't have it or my grandkid doesn't have it, but um, it's inevitable at some point. Yeah, I have four brothers, one sister, and none of them have it. So I'm, the, I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's a weird thing. But I did want to talk to you about kind of the scares that you've had. Um, I had a scare when I was in, in seventh grade. I'll talk about that in a minute. But Kind of talk about what happened with that diabetic coma and um, the seizures that you had, um, as much as you're comfortable with. I know it's I know it's kind of hard to talk about, but yeah, I mean, um, the uh, I was in Argentina at the time, and um, every time I went overseas, and it's so it's so crazy that you know they they cook their foods you know so much healthier. Everything is like fresh. There's no you know hormones and things like that. So I was still taking my same, you know, dosage as I was eating, you know, American food, which was, you know, which was the problem. I didn't, you know, wasn't educated on the, you know, on, you know, sliding scales of what I'm eating compared to the insulin dosage of the different food intakes. So there was like a couple of nights in a row where I was like, you know, slipping into like low blood sugar levels. I was waking up with like 40s and 30s and stuff like that. But luckily, I would have like Oreos or M&Ms next to my bed. And then just like one morning, um, I, you know, I just like slipped into a bad like you know, diabetic coma. And it was like it was crazy. I was literally I, I felt like I was like close to the to, close to the other side, like the colors and things that I was seeing and the dreams. And then, I, you know, woke up to, you know, paramedics just like, you know, holding me down or trying to like wake me up and. Um, I don't know if anyone's had like diabetic episodes when you're, you know, when you get woken up or getting like, you know, scared like that. People don't, you know, don't necessarily know how to react to you, and you're, you know, you're kind of like in a scare, and you're kind of like trying to like protect yourself, and you know, not necessarily acting, you know, normal to in another person's eyes. Whatever. So it was real difficult for, you know, the my teammates who, uh, one of my teammates was able to to get in my get in my apartment at the time and call paramedics and. I was uh, I was in the hospital for about like 10 to 13 days. My parents came to uh, to see me and, um, you know, doctors actually told me that, you know, basketball was over for me. So, I, you know, I kind of took that as, a, you know, proving this person wrong, just as I've always done with, you know, playing with diabetes. I played at the highest possible level you can with diabetes. So, 
this was just another you know thing for for me to accomplish or, or me to overcome so i didn't really you know take that as a a bad experience i took it as a learning experience to you know all right uh, i know how to i know that this change in my diet uh, made me feel better and you know my energy was great so now i have to like you know figure out the right you know way to for it to like help my body you know produce or be productive at the at the best way possible mm-hmm. and i've i personally haven't um gone through that severe of a of a dieback episode so when you were in the coma what all do you remember for from, from that you said something about like dreams and the colors and yeah. all that stuff just remember like just like riding around like on a bike like so fast and like like in a crazy like forest and i seen like huge trees like stuff that i never like could imagine like it looked like something out of like a cartoon or whatever and um uh yeah it was like a like i was slipping back in and out of uh consciousness and i like i knew i had to get to the fridge i knew i had juice in the fridge and i was like you know if i could just get to the fridge like you know i'd, I'd be okay but uh you know i was man, thank god you know my teammates was able to get in my apartment and um um, you know, the doctors did a great job and it was like a tough, it was like a tough recovery for, for me at the time because I ended up having to be sent home from Argentina. I couldn't finish the season. Um, I had like partial memory loss for like a week where I, you know, I didn't remember like, you know, where I went to high school at and stuff like that. So it was like, that was like a really scary episode for me. Um, which is one of the things that happens when you, you know, slip into a seizure or a diabetic coma. Um, but luckily, you know, my mother was there to, you know, take care of me and I was able to, you know, rehab, you know, you know, great. And, you know, last year I played in, you know, Vietnam. So, you know, I think I, I basically won that battle of the doctor basically saying that I couldn't, uh, you know, I shouldn't play basketball again. Mm-hmm. Was it just like a general doctor, like at the ER or whatever? Yeah, it was one of those, uh, one yeah. of those guys. So, you know, just the same way with, uh, you know, the doctor, I've had six knee surgeries and, um, you know, two major ones. And, as you know, you know, being a diabetic, it's it's it takes longer for us to heal. And, you know, having those you know two major knee surgeries, it took me a long time to heal where the doctor said the same thing. Like, you know, we don't know if, you know, you coming back from this, you know, these multiple knee surgeries is the you know the best thing. And I, I did that again, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screw them. Um, I feel like some general doctors don't have like a very good understanding about diabetes. I mean, that I mean, they're doing their job, but like. They don't know everything that's going on and they don't I, I think I think you can relate to that in terms of like them t- saying your basketball career is over, even though you knew it wasn't. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, oh, uh, the, the how many seizures have you had? Because I saw on your Instagram post the other day you were talking about um, just some of the stuff that you've been through. And I personally never experienced that. But talk a little bit about um, what that was like. Yeah, I've had about, I think about two or three seizures, just, uh, like I said, just, you know, eating, eating what I feel is the proper way and just, you know, the, the different, uh, I had to, uh, I had to change my, 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 my insulin dosage. Uh, I used to take, uh, 40 units of Lantus at night, which was one of the things that affected me, you know, waking up in the morning with low blood sugar episodes. So I had to lower that, you know, on my own, like, I feel that a lot of doctors don't know that diabetes affects everyone differently. So, you know, maybe their their general, you know, uh, number of what to take is just a, a broad, um, broad scale. So it's not necessarily individualized to each person. Like, like 
like your moods and hormones affect you differently that can raise your blood sugar and stuff like that. So it's it was a trial and error process. And, um, you know, I was able to I'm a, I'm at a good, uh, you know, good strict diet now and, and good routine where I know, you know, what affects me. I keep a, a book log old school of writing down like a journal of you know what I eat, what I'm doing every day just to just to see how my body reacts. So it's my body. So I feel like I have to study it and, and know what's, you know, how I feel and what's the best uh, thing for me. Mm-hmm. So um, when I, I was in seventh grade, it, I had the pump, but I didn't have the CGM yet. And I, I was at school <clears throat> and my stomach started hurting really bad. And I was like, the hell? So I like went home. I skipped baseball practice. I rode the bus home. And then when I got home, I started throwing up everywhere. And I was like, damn, I got like the stomach flu or something like that. So I go and I'm like laying in my bed and my dad was home and he just thought I was sick. So my mom comes in and she was like, it's your blood sugar. And I was like, I don't know. I have the stomach flu. I'm not going to test it where I'm throwing up. And she goes, go test it right now. So I was like, okay. So uh, I don't know about your, your uh, meter, but mine only went up to 600. So after that, it's just say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine, mine is the same way. I think mine is like, yeah, mine I think is like 600, and after that it's like high. Yeah, so that's that's what my blood sugar was. So then my mom started freaking out. Um, I ended up being okay, but like I can, I kind of related to some of like, I didn't obviously I didn't go unconscious or anything like that, but like I started slipping into it um, yeah. a little bit. That kind of opened my eyes um, to how I need to change my diet and and things of that nature as well. Yeah, I feel like that's like, I feel like a lot of diabetics should, um, you know, really just focus more on their diet and exercise and just like stuff like meditation and stuff like that. It really just helps with our hormones, like different thing, different stuff affects us differently. Say like watching, you know, watching news or, you know, you getting upset at something It could really like change, you know, how your body reacts and stuff. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about when you got diagnosed and then how you progressed through your basketball career. Um, did you have any, like, incidents on the court with it? So, like, not, like, serious incidents, but, like, did you did you go low on the court and, or did you go high? Or, and what types of things did you do to prevent that? No, it was crazy. It's like I've never had an episode on the court. I've never missed a game due to, due to diabetes. Um, you know, when I was in college, I always used to have the uh, – the, the glucose tablets on the bench uh, if I needed it, um, barely ever needed it. I always check my sugars before the game. They're usually in the like one, 120 to 150 range, which was, uh, you know, my uh, physician's orders. Um, so I always just kept that, you know, going through my entire uh, basketball career. So I never actually never had an issue during uh, during games with uh, with diabetes. Um, sometimes practices where I would have to just, you know, sit out on the side for maybe like a play or two just to, you know, get a quick power rate or a bar or something like that to get my energy up. Obviously, because, you know, practices are longer than in yeah. games. Yeah, but um, with 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 my with my basketball career now, I never uh, had any any low blood sugar instances. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I played, I used to play baseball. I don't anymore. But I mean, I. I would go low sometimes during the game, and I remember a few times where I'd take Skittles up with me to hit. So I was hitting, and in between pitches, I'd throw a couple Skittles in. <laughs> and it, it doesn't really impact um, the on-court or on-field performance, in my opinion, um, unless you're negligent with it. 
But um, one thing that I know you talked about in the past was um, how that impacted you when you graduated and you were going into the NBA, how teams might have been kind of scared to draft you uh, just because the uncertainty and they just don't uh, fully understand like like it's a serious disease, but it doesn't impact you um, that much. Yeah, what's crazy is uh, Adam Morrison had just got drafted the year, uh, two years before me. I think he was like the third pick. Um, his diabetes obviously was a little bit different than mine. He would, you know, take injections on the bench, and it was like publicized on ESPN. And you know, I more so was was hiding it just because I didn't want people to feel that oh, he has diabetes, so we're not going to take the chance on him. Um, crazy all through pre-draft camp i got the mvp of portsmouth camp which was uh, a camp for seniors like to see who the best uh, seniors in the country are then i went to orlando pre-draft camp which is the main camp before uh, before the draft and i led the camp in scoring and uh you know had all these uh, tr- you know tryouts and workouts with teams and once my uh you know once my you know medical records came in you know i had a guarantee at 29 from a team, I had a guarantee at 30 and at 37th pick. And, you know, once the team seen that I had uh, diabetes, it was kind of, uh, you know, we're not going to uh, make this, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to invest, uh, you know, this amount of money in someone who, you know, we don't think is going to last or, or be a beneficial to our, our company. So I understood their point of it, um, you know, business wise, but. Obviously, I took it as an insult because I've done everything that, that was needed to do. Uh, I've never missed a game. You know, got player of the year in college uh, in my in my league. I did everything at camps, and you know, it was it was a it was a difficult. Uh, it, it definitely uh, impacted me a lot because this was like my goal, my dream was to get drafted, but I was able to you know pick myself up. I went overseas for two years and and came back, and I was able to you know live out my dream, which was to make the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw I saw an article probably two months ago now. Um, his name is Garrett Mitchell. He got drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in the first round yeah. of, of this past year's um, MLB draft. And he was saying about how or he was talking about how some teams wouldn't draft him because because he's diabetic. I mean, he still went in the first round. I forget which pick it was. But I mean, it doesn't really affect you that much unless you're negligent, like I said. Um, but what what kind of conversations did you have when you did go to the NBA um, with the team? Um, it was around, or the Nuggets first, correct? Yeah, yeah. So- um, like great, great at um, taking care. I mean, that was you know probably my favorite team. Obviously, that I played with, I played with Hall of Famers, you know Chauncey Billups and Carmelo Anthony and those guys. But um, the medical staff there was great, man. They they were really on top of 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 my diabetes, and they were. They basically helped me. They had, you know, nutritionists and and everything that I needed to, uh, you know, to be the best possible, you know, player I could be with with diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? How was that first? How was that first season like playing with guys like you mentioned, Mello and and Chauncey? How crazy was that? Oh uh, man, it's like a, a dream come true. Like obviously, Denver Nuggets were one of my favorite teams, uh, you know, through college and things like that, and to to be selected to be playing on that team was a was a real honor. Like I said, it was a dream come true, and it was just like a great ride that year. Um, now we didn't obviously finish the, the season the way we wanted to, lost in the first round of the playoffs, but it was a, a definitely a, a great experience looking back on, and um, you know, happy I was able to accomplish one of my dreams. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you look back on that time? 
um, with your two seasons in the in the NBA, and then your couple of stints um, that you didn't uh, stick on with the team. How do you kind of look back at those at those experiences? Well, I definitely feel that after I came back from China when I was with the Brooklyn Nets, if I feel if I didn't get um, my knee surgeries, that's when I first started getting the, uh, I had three major knee surgeries um, after I was with the Brooklyn Nets, but well, right before I was with the Brooklyn Nets that summer, um, I feel like if I didn't do that, um, I would have been able to play, you know, a lot more years in the NBA. I feel like that rehab time took a, took a lot, um, took a lot away from me just because one, I'm already a diabetic. And then on top of that, having these like knee surgeries, so teams are going to be super hesitant um, on that. And which was the case, but um, I'm not really the, you know, I'm glad that I was able to go overseas and see, you know, different parts of the world, different parts of the, uh, you know, different places I've never would have probably imagined uh, that I would see. And I met, you know, great people out there. I learned different experiences. Like I said, I learned to to eat differently uh, due to, you know, being in these uh, different places. So none of the experiences I really, uh, you know, uh, feel bad about. Um, like I said, I'm pretty much you know, glad that I have diabetes because I can, you know, I'm here, you know, talking to you and, you know, maybe someone can get inspiration from my, from my talk today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what kind of things are you doing in terms of helping raise awareness or helping like young children that have diabetes or things of that nature? Well, I had, um, I had, I have this uh, foundation that I'm restarting. I had a foundation uh, a couple years ago. Uh, my PR, she passed away uh, from cancer, so it was like on hold for for a lot of uh, for a while. Uh, we had um, softball events and and bowling events, and I'm I'm going to restart that um, next summer, depending on you know how this whole COVID thing goes. But right now, I'm writing a uh, a children's book series, which will highlight, you know, ch- um, you know, kids with illnesses such as myself with uh, diabetes and and different things like that. And um, it's going to be a great, great comic series, man. Uh, I'm it's definitely going to be on some X Men, Harry Potter uh, level type stuff. So I'm I'm really excited about that. And it's just uh, I feel like it's it's. I feel like this would be my legacy because I'm, I'm I will, like I said, raise awareness and you know, just help people with their confidence in having uh, diabetes. Because I feel like that affects a lot of diabetics a lot, just, you know, feeling out of it or feeling out the loop and, you know, not, you know, being or not being looked at as, as normal or, or feeling like the same as, as everyone else or being uh, treated the same. So that's one of my uh, goals to um, you know, just enlighten people on, you know, people with diabetes can do the same thing you can do and, you know, live the same normal life as you can. It's not, you know, nothing to look down upon. Mm-hmm. So th- was that kind of your inspiration to to start the um, the foundation in the first place? Yeah, like I just felt like I, you know, I had a platform and, I, you know, I've heard so many stories from parents with, you know, their kids, you know, playing basketball because of, you know, seeing me as a as a uh, diabetic playing in the NBA. And I've had many different talks with people who I felt inspired by, you know, my journey and, and playing in the NBA and, you know, just having the attitude that I have of, of being diabetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's um, like I didn't really look up to anyone when I was younger um, that were like athletes or celebrities or, or whoever that were diabetic, uh, the only one that really stuck out to me was Jay Cutler. And that's the the only reason um, why he is, is because I, I got the chance to meet him in, in Indy when he was down here for a, 
for a doctor's appointment. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's really special what you're doing, um, trying to get people more involved um, in terms of diabetes, raising awareness and all that stuff, because it is kind of a lonely road because um, like me personally, I know three people that I like talk to regularly um, that are diabetic and that's really it. Like no one at, I don't know anyone at Purdue who's diabetic and things of that nature. So it is kind of, it is kind of lonely. I don't know if you relate to that in any way. Yeah. I mean, no one, no one that I knew of in college uh, had diabetes. I was never on teams with anyone who had uh, diabetes. I mean, the only person that I know is my father and my nephew who, who have the, uh, the same illness, but as far as, uh, you know, someone, you know, to talk to regularly or someone who has the same, you know, same kind of stories as me, no. Like you said, it's definitely a lonely road, but I definitely feel like, you know, you should take advantage of this podcast and get as much, as many diabetics as possible and, and you know, just raise awareness and, and, and lose the ignorance in the society of people that, you know, diabetics can't do, you know, the, like I said, the same normal things that, that people without diabetes can do. Mm-hmm. I think kind of the stigma around diabetes is um, it's people who are overweight and obese and things of that nature. Um, like people will be like, oh, my grandpa's diabetic. He's a, he's like type two diabetic as opposed to type one. Um, so people kind of like lump those together because they just <clears throat> I mean, I don't really blame them for that. Like I don't hold that against them. They just don't have the knowledge about it. You know what I mean? And so like a lot of my friends always ask me questions and kind of pick my brain about it because they they're um, curious about it and they say the wrong thing I'm like well actually it's this but I mean as long as people are open to um to learning about diabetes and and all that I think that we can make a lot of great strides in terms of just kind of the stigma around it and how people view it um from the outside for for sure for sure sure Mm. um so I'm gonna have to wrap this up here pretty soon but before I let you go I wanted to ask you a few uh, a few last questions. Uh, what was probably your fondest memory of playing in the NBA? Like, is there one moment that kind of sticks out? Um, probably just when uh, George Carr told me uh, I made the team, and you know, my all my teammates kind of like jumped on me because I had a real good uh, training camp that that uh, that season. Um, I really wasn't supposed to make the team. The the Denver Nuggets were looking for a big man at the time because Kenyon Martin was hurt and Birdman was hurt. And I really just, you know, I made them, I made them sign me. Uh, you know, I did everything that I could. I went there early. I went to practice early. I stayed late. I went to, you know, I did everything that um, was in my control and, you know, I manifested it. Yeah, for sure. That's super sick. And then um, I know the the NBA is doing the whole the whole bubble thing. Um, so what are your kind of feelings on that? I mean, it's it's been a huge success so far. They're really the only major sport that's come back um, besides baseball. Baseball is having a lot of issues um, in terms of positive COVID tests and all that. So how do you um, what are your feelings about the whole NBA bubble, um, this experience? And then uh, who do you have winning the NBA finals? I mean, the bubble has been great. I mean, it definitely um at the at the forefront of everything of taking care of you know the the athletes and you know no one's come back with any positive tests and i um, it's doing a great job obviously it's uh you know it's a good entertainment for everyone to you know to be watching but uh, i feel like this year 
I might have to go with the Clippers. I feel like I think the Clippers are going to win it this year again. I feel like their team is uh, pretty much stacked, and they're playing at a, a real good level right now. Um, I'm really excited for that first round, Lakers versus uh, Portland. Obviously, my man Melo, uh, you know, I feel like he's going to have a, a big series uh, that first round. So I don't know who's going to win. That's, that's a toss-up for me. Yeah. I mean, I – just because of uh, Kobe passing away, unfortunately, in, in January, I, I really want to see the Lakers win it. I think that'd be really special for them. Yeah. Uh, I am a, I mean, I like LeBron. My favorite team's the Knicks, so we suck. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't, don't really have a dog in the fight this year, but um, I would like to see the Lakers win. I think that'd be really special for them, the That's whole cool. organization. Right, right, right. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got to, uh, to play against man, my, my, my goat man, my uh, idol that I looked up to, man. It was, it was uh, that. Actually, that might be. Yeah. Uh, checking into the game, having to uh, guard Kobe Bryant. I had like really good games against Kobe, which is amazing for me. And uh, you know, we beat them a couple of times, and just you know, sad and amazing that I, I got to play against a legend. Mm-hmm. When I was um, when I was gonna announce this on the on the Instagram, I was looking at pictures just trying to find a post, and uh, the one I was gonna use was you garden was you garden Kobe. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, man. I have, I have a couple of uh, pictures in my in my room. I'm definitely gonna uh, get my house, man. I'm gonna frame like get a get a super size and frame in my basement. So that's definitely one of my uh, greatest uh, memories right there. Did he ever kind of talk trash to you at all uh, during the games? Um, a little bit, but nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy. It was just like, just pretty much just getting into the game and stuff like that. And uh, definitely the first time I uh, guarded him, I knew I had to get in the weight room because he's super strong. His footwork was incredible. I mean, he's probably top two, top three in, in my all-time uh, greatest players. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a guy that I looked up to. Him and him, LeBron are kind of my era. Um, Kobe, Kobe loves her so, but. <clears throat> Um, I got to get going, but thank you so much for doing this. I know uh, we kind of had some issues in terms of scheduling and all that stuff. But, I mean, it means a lot um, to hear you trying to do things for fellow type 1 diabetics, trying to raise awareness. Um, Whenever you uh, need to spread the word about any of your stuff, just send it my way, and I'll put it out on, on all my social medias. No problem, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Take care of yourself, and I hope the best for you, bro. Yes, for sure. Stay safe. Amen.